he said, on my last year on Wall Street, my bonus was $3.6 million. And I was angry because it wasn't big enough. And, and that really got my attention. He replaced the addiction of drugs and alcohol with the addiction of the love of money. Hey everyone, I'm Stu G. Welcome to the Beatitudes Project. Each episode, we're exploring one of the eight blessings spoken by Jesus 2,000 years ago to see if and how they still apply to our modern world. So I'm here with my friend Brian. Hey everyone. Who's a professor and a pastor and a teacher and a musician and uh, a good friend. And so uh, we're here to kind of have conversations around these themes. Today, we're going to be talking about the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit. We'll get going in a minute, but first, take a listen to this. So I have a lot of experience with poverty of spirit. To me, I think the first manifestation of that was addiction when I was younger. From basically 17 to 22, there wasn't a drug or a drink that I wouldn't put in my body. I liked partying, but more than anything, I was chasing that fullness that came when I was high or when I was drunk. I ended up getting sober from drugs or alcohol when I was 22, and all of my addiction had been about trying to fill this hole inside of me. This feeling of sort of like emptiness or lack, like something was missing. That was my friend Sam Polk, who was a multimillionaire on Wall Street a few years ago. I talked with him for the film about what poverty of spirit looks like to someone who has everything they could ever want. So as we start this conversation, you might have never ever heard of the Beatitudes. You might have grown up with them every Sunday at Sunday school. You know, so we all have biases when it comes to the text. You know, we might know nothing about them or we might think we know um, everything about them and, th and that we've... We might think they're a challenge. We might think, oh, yeah, that's just kind of kid stuff, you know. So we all have that kind of bias when we come to the text. And uh, so what we're trying to invite people to do is to kind of push what you think you know of the text aside and, um, and, and listen with fresh ears, right? That's so good, yeah, to invite the one who is speaking um, in and through the text to speak to us again and to allow him to show us maybe what some of our implicit biases are that we're not even aware of when we're approaching the text and to, to have those be exposed to us. And then, like you said, to hit pause for a moment and just to invite the voice of truth uh, to speak to our hearts fresh. Excellent. So uh, talking about the text, uh, what's the scripture today? Yeah, today we're going to take a look at Matthew 5, verse 3, which was the first beatitude recorded that Jesus pronounced there on the mountain. And blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I love how Eugene Peterson says this in the message, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. That's, that's amazing. You're blessed at the end of your rope. That kind of like um, includes all of us in that, in that moment, at right? You know, another, one point absolutely. or another. And um, so, you know, when I was kind of diving into the, the idea of poverty of spirit, um, I've been privileged enough to travel the world and have literally literally seen extreme poverty in uh, a couple of places. Um, but 
the place that really sticks in my mind is India. And um, so the idea of blessed are the poor or blessed are the extremely poor, you know, like um, in Luke's gospel, Jesus kind of says a version or Luke records a version of the Beatitudes, you know, and, uh, and it just simply says blessed are the poor. So I've been thinking about that because extreme poverty will crush your spirit. You know, I've seen mm. it with my own eyes, how there's just a lack of hope. So extreme poverty will crush your spirit, but so will a depression or like Sam was hinting at in the beginning, an addiction, like when you reach the bottom of an addiction and you realize that there's nothing left, you know? Uh, so uh, that moment when you wake up each day and it just seems dark, you know? And, and so I think what Matthew's doing is it, like he's broadening the, the, the spectrum and including everyone. And I love Dallas Willard. Like he talks about um, spiritual zeros. You know, he says the poor in spirit are the spiritual zeros. And for me, what that looks like is, you know, what happens when even your religion lets you down? You know, when you feel like you, your God is not enough. That's so good, Stephen. Like you said, there is a point or multiple points for each and every one of us when we hit that bottom of life moment, when we get to the end of our rope and we feels like all we have to hold on to are questions and the God of our expectation didn't show up the way we wanted him to. Right. And my friend Paul often says this, that expectation draws a line beneath which nothing can be received as a gift. Huh. And when I expect God to perform in a certain way and he doesn't come through, then I'm disappointed. And all the times he does come through, when he just fulfills my expectations, I'm not grateful because that's what I expected of him. I don't view it as a gift. So I miss out on the presence of God in the everyday moments, in the gifts that he gives us in the everyday moments, um, because I expect it. So there's something about coming with an expectation of the presence of God, but not putting expectations on the way God's going to act in my life or in my world. And that's a hard lesson to learn, I think. And it, sometimes it takes getting to the end of our rope to begin to learn that lesson. Yeah. Oof. So, you know, the idea of blessing, you know, I, I think we have this all round the wrong way. Mm. You know, when we're kind of... Uh, praying for a parking space, right. <laughs> you know, outside Kroger or something, you know, and uh, and we get it and we're like, oh, you know, I've been blessed <laughs> right, <laughs> with a parking right. space, you know. <laughs> but And that's, you know, I'm just being funny. But, um, you know, the idea of blessing when you've got nothing left or when you're at the end of your rope, like that's not a pleasant place to be, right? And really what we want in that moment is some kind of hope some kind of certainty of getting out of that place, you know, some kind of ladder to climb out. We don't want to think about failure. And yet what is announced here is that God is on our side yeah. at the bottom, you know, when we literally are at the bottom, you know, and that's where the presence is. And so um, it's something that I've just been learning about with the Beatitudes is they really are countercultural. Mm -hmm. Um they're subversive, you know, they turn what we think of blessing on its head. That's so good. And like you said, when we hit that bottom of life moment, 
as you kind of were hinting at there, oftentimes we ask the why questions. Yeah. We want to know why, because somehow we think that's going to ease the pain. Mm. And the reality is the why answers don't take away the pain. And we ask for answers and God doesn't give us explanations. He gives us an incarnation. Mm. Doesn't say, here's the answer to why. It says, no, I'm present. I'm with you. And that's the blessing. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, something that Jesus does a lot in the in the Sermon on the Mount is that he's kind of like, for those who have ears to hear, he's referencing other scriptures from his people's story. You know, he's a Jewish rabbi and he's speaking a lot to Jews, you know, and, and so he references things. And so when... Ever he talked about, uh, you know, poverty or crushed spirits or or hints at that thing. You know, people are thinking about Proverbs eighteen fourteen, which says, "The human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear?" And um, and and things like Psalm thirty four, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So it's all about presence. You know, it's all about God coming near, and um, and I find a lot of comfort in that. That um, you know, at times when, um, you know, I felt like I don't know what to do when there's a lack of hope and direction and vision and stuff like that, that actually, you know, God is close to you in that moment. Yeah, so comforting. And and ultimately that's the goal or the telos, if you will, of this, of this whole uh, Christian life and our existence. John 17, 3, this is eternal life that you would know the Father and the Son whom he sent. Not this is eternal life that you get to go to some place you know, or or get to be part of this, but know that you would know the Father and the Son, the presence of God, that you would be with Him. He would be your God and you would be His people. Mm. That's the blessing of eternal life. And in that context, that means we can experience eternal life right now mm. at the end of our rope, at the at bottom of life. We don't have to wait till the next age to experience that. We begin to experience that right now. Yeah, that's really good. So... um in the project then, um, I traveled to India and uh, went back to India. I've been there several times and um, and uh, it's one of my favorite countries to visit in the world. The very first time I went there, I, I hated it for about 24 hours. You know, I was like, oh, I, I called my wife and I said, Karen, I, I want to, I don't want to be here. I just want to come home, you know. Uh, she said, just be patient, be kind to people and do your job. And you know, um, trust my wife to, um, you know, be the wisest person I know, you know. But um, anyway, the next day uh, we got up and a friend of mine who's our lighting director, he, because he, I was there with Delirious, my band, right? And uh, he said, oh, let's get in a tuk-tuk and go exploring. So we got in this, in this little two-stroke engine, tuk-tuk, and uh, we just started diving around the city and into the countryside and what have you and I completely fell in love with the country with the people with the crazy traffic with the 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 fact that it's an onslaught of all your senses mm. <laughs> you know whether it's whether you whether you feel safe or not you know it's kind of like it's just a beautiful country and the people are so beautiful in India um but on that trip you know I I experienced visiting slums and 
uh, this particular area where there was slums, but there was like sex workers in the slums and how they survived and their children were often around when their mums were working and stuff like that. And it's just a very mm-hmm. dire um, situation where it just sort of feels like there's a, a, a real lack of hope and future. And yet you look into these kids' eyes and you see God in them, you know, and it's... Mm-hmm. Um, so that changed me forever, actually, that experience. And so going back with Food for the Hungry to India, um, I got to see this, uh, this work called House of Palms where in this particular area with this particular tribe, they rescue girls out of prostitution, even as young as the age of 12. Mm. And so, uh, I mean, talk about your spirit being crushed when you're a child, you know. And I know that maybe there's folks listening that have got a history of abuse or whatever. And so this idea of this desperate situation and Jesus announcing that God is on your side, you know, I'm with you even in this. And um, th- there is comfort in that and there's hope in that. Amen. It's true. Whether we've experienced that kind of abuse or, as you said, there's probably people listening who've experienced abandonment or somebody who should have been there for them wasn't there for them and they're left to try to pick up the pieces and and chart a way forward the pronouncement is you you don't have to do that alone mm. right god is with you in those moments and god is walking with you into the future and that pronouncement coupled with the invitation mm. right to see his presence um in your life and to see his presence in in those around you um, is a is a powerful combination and it it brings a new sense of hope. Yeah. And as you said, we can maybe try to ignore it because it's uncomfortable. Uh, I think of uh, Abraham Heschel who said, we stand on the edge of mystery and we ignore it, risking our souls. And I think there's a piece of mystery he's talking about the presence of God in the everyday, in the tough situations in India, in the broken relationships we experience here, we stand right on the edge of the mystery, the presence, and we ignore it and we risk our souls because we're missing out on uh, life, the one who is life, and we're missing out on what he wants to do in our hearts and in our world. Yeah, so I live currently in uh, a county called Williamson County in Tennessee, and um, it's one of the wealthiest counties in Tennessee, and probably the wealthiest, actually. And so I was running a Beatitudes Project learning community at our church, at Church of the City here in Franklin. And um, I had just assumed that, you know, everyone there was was going to be, you know, pretty middle class, you know, or... or uh, certainly not struggling for finance. And so I was talking about, you know, this might not be our story that that we've experienced extreme poverty. And um, when it came to the discussion, this one gentleman kind of said, he was, he was a white guy, and he said, I grew up in extreme poverty here in Tennessee. And he said, the thing that it left me with is anger. Mm. So, um, like, we never know people's stories. You know, we, we, um, we can't assume just from looking at someone what their story's been. That's so true. And that invitation 
as we even talked about being present to God, but being present to other people and listening, as we've kind of started this whole conversation with listening, I think the Lord is inviting us to listen to other people's stories. And there's so much hurt just below the surface in um, so many of our stories, yeah. in so many of our lives. And if we don't ever find a safe place to be honest about that, then we retreat and we lock up our heart and we isolate ourselves. And I think when God is coming with his presence, what he's really after is our hearts, right? Our hearts are our greatest gift beyond anything that we do or produce. It's our heart that God is after, not because he's needy or deficient, but because he wants to heal our hearts and to bring wholeness to our hearts. And more often than not, he does that through another person. So in your in that story you just shared, being open to that person and having a safe space where he could talk about growing up in extreme poverty and the anger that that left him with, that opens the door for conversation, for, for healing to, to begin. Yeah, that's really good. Going back to Sam Polk's story at the beginning of the, of the podcast, um, Sam was a hedge fund trader on Wall Street, and uh, I got to know his story through researching um, an op-ed in the New York Times, and it said, on my last year on Wall Street, my bonus was $3.6 million, and I was angry because it wasn't big enough. And, and that really got my attention you know, this kind of love of money. He would say he replaced the addiction of drugs and alcohol uh, with the addiction of the love of money and making more, and he just wanted more and more and more, you know. And um, so when he talks about poverty of spirit, it really is about, like, hitting the bottom of addictions for him mm. um, and, you know, when you feel like you have nothing left. So we ha we've had great conversations. What he did with that, was that in the end, he walked away from that work. His company offered him another $5 million if he stayed for another several years. And he said, I don't like what I'm becoming in this world. He basically left Wall Street, left the ability to earn millions and millions of dollars, and started a non-profit providing food, like healthy food, into food deserts in California. Uh, so basically, you know, where there's really poor communities and they're on food stamps and what have you, it's easier for them to buy a $5 McDonald's or something every night than it is to eat nutritiously. And so the problems that that, that brings are huge. Uh, it lowers your life expectancy. There's obesity. There's, you know, all, all these different health problems. And so his vision was to, uh, to provide healthy meals at the same price as a McDonald's. So it started as a non-profit, turned into something called Every Table, which is shop fronts, like restaurant fronts, and they have a central kitchen, and they, they're basically doing the same thing. They're providing healthy, nutritious meals at low cost for the poor. And since we made the film and told that story, he's since been on Shark Tank, and they got a million-dollar investor from wow. one of the sharks uh, to help with their every-table business. So that's kind of like, you know, building and expanding. But the idea that out of an experience of poverty of spirit, uh, where you realize you, you're at the end of yourself with addiction, 
that he's gone on, his, his response to that invitation is to give to others and to be present to others and become the person he was supposed to be all along. That's beautiful. Yeah, out of that experience of poverty of spirit, as you said, he's actually engaging with those who are uh, physically poor, monetarily yeah. poor, right? Even as, as Luke talked about, blessed are the poor. So he's engaging with those who are materially poor. Yeah. As you're sharing that story, it, it makes me think of Brennan Manning when he said, define yourself radically as one loved by God. And so many times we may have a deficit and experience of poverty of spirit because we've allowed other things to define us, things that maybe define our culture or our upbringing or our family. And I think we need to be really mindful and ask the Lord to illuminate in our hearts the things that we allow to define us. And then in the face of that, as Manning said, allow ourselves to be radically defined by God. As he said, this is the true self. Every other self is illusion. Hmm. So that famous prayer, the prayer of the ragamuffin, Abba, I belong to you. And there's that pronouncement right in the middle of that, that we belong to him and he is present with us. It's amazing. So I was doing an event at a church and I don't tell this story to kind of big anything that I do up. This is just an interesting story for me was that I was doing an event in church and I was talking about poverty of spirit and really just building on the idea of Eugene Peterson's language. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope, you know, with less of you, there's, there's more room for God, you know, more of God. And, uh, and basically using that language, end of rope, it definitely touches a nerve with certain people who perhaps have been in real deep depression and perhaps have considered suicide and stuff like that. So the, the, the idea of you know God offering hope and presence um, at the bottom of life. And so I was standing outside saying hello to a few people afterwards and this woman came up to me who was with a friend and she was really distraught. She said, um, I wasn't going to come to church today. She said, but my friend just kept calling and calling and calling and inviting me and inviting me and inviting me. So I, um, I, I kind of gave in and came just to kind of quieten my friend down. And she said, but I'd actually planned to take my life today. And, uh, I mean, she's saying this through, she can hardly get her words out, you know, and she said, and when you said, uh, that God is on your side at the end of your rope, that the blessing is presence that is with you. You know, she said that just gave me a tiny little bit of hope. And uh, she said, I want to say thank you. Wow. So, you know, I don't say that because of anything I say or, or, or whatever. 
like this stuff is real and living and we're seeing it in action in the world today, whether you're in India, whether you're on Wall Street, whether you, whether no one knows what your depression is doing to you. Yeah. And that hope is a seed, right? And where there's a seed, something can grow. Well, life, life can spring up out of apparent death. And I love this pronouncement that the God who is reordering and remaking and restoring and, and reshaping the world, he's a God who is with us and a God who is for us. So as you said, God is on our side and he's on our side when, when we're poor or spiritually bankrupt or when we're confused or even morally we feel empty, right? God is on our side. God is for us. God is with us. this has been some great conversation and as we conclude this episode we just want to invite you to spend a little bit of time get quiet get alone and think about some of the times where you've experienced your own poverty of spirit uh, those times where you felt you've been at the end of your rope and as you're remembering those moments we want to encourage you to thank God for his presence in those moments even though you might not have felt him there confess and acknowledge that he is present, that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ. And if engaging in this practice has brought something kind of the forefront of your heart, we want to encourage you to find somebody that you can trust. Spend some time and just be honest with them and and open your heart to them and walk another step further on the journey of wholeness and healing. That's really good, Brian. Thank you. What a great conversation. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you've enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave a review because that really helps us reach more people. In the next episode, we're going to dive into Jesus' second blessing. Blessed are those who mourn. This podcast is mixed by Dylan Seals of HDAudioPost.com and is part of a bigger conversation. We invite you to check out all the resources we've made, available now at TheBeatitudesProject.com. See you next time.